If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za. The Democratic Alliance formally laid criminal charges against Deputy President Paul Mashatile following severe allegations of corruption leveled against him, which spanned almost two decades. Soli Malazzi is a DA national spokesperson on the line with us. A very good evening, Mr. Malazzi. Good evening and welcome. Um, good evening, Pamela, and greetings to your listeners. You, as a DA, had gone to the president uh, asking him to look into some of these allegations. That, I believe, was on Friday, this, uh, the 2nd of, uh, of February. Did you ever get a response from the president? No, we never got a response from the president. And that has led us to move to the next phase of our approach to this issue, which was the laying of charges um, for corruption against Deputy President Mashatile, which was done today at the Cape Town Police Station. Take when us. we approached, yeah. And no, I beg your pardon. <coughs> Excuse me. When we laid, when we approached the president, our logic was for to approach the president in order for him to exercise leadership on this issue, taking into consideration that the appointment of the deputy president of the country and ministers is the prerogative of the president. Mm. In doing so, the president does not need to be compelled by law to do the right thing. You know, you do the right thing simply because it is the right thing to do. And I think there is broad recognition given the history of our country and what we have experienced with the the previous deputy president of the country who at the time faced serious allegations of corruption and subsequently rose to occupy the highest office in the land was that given the magnitude of these allegations, the responsible and right thing to do from a leadership perspective would have been to relieve Deputy President Mashatila of his responsibility, give him an opportunity to deal with these allegations through the criminal um, justice system of the country so that there won't be any distraction to the work that he does. Mm -hmm. Because the key thing here, uh, which has motivated us to pursue the avenue of the criminal charges, um, um, of laying the charges, is that the presidency is the apex of political leadership in the country. It comes with a higher responsibility to be beyond reproach. And when the deputy president of the country is constantly at the center of serious allegations, some of them dating back, you know, a decade or even now, that continue to link him either to dodgy business transactions or dodgy individuals, some of whom are doing business with the state, that is not a good sign. Um, particularly taking into consideration that one of the key promises of President Ramaphosa when he came into power was twofold. One, a new dawn of promoting ethical leadership, and two, being zero tolerance to corruption. And in earnest, we are yet to see those two being fulfilled. You've also submitted a formal complaint to Parliament's Joint Committee on Ethics and Members' Interests for a breach of the Members' Code of Conduct by uh, the Deputy President. How's that going? Yes, uh, with regards to that, we did submit it. The, the pace of how that will unfold, unfortunately, is determined by how Parliament prioritizes it. Our concern is that given that the elections are this year, um, the, the, the 
official business of parliament will at some stage in the next few months you know stop um which means that any business that was not completed in the current term will you know be held over into 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 the next term which which we can accept but you know we hope that uh parliament will not find some administrative excuse not to pursue this matter during the current term because it is a very important issue and we believe that parliament ethics committee should look at those instances that may have potentially compromised the deputy president um, with regards to his declarations. So, I mean, obviously, as I mentioned earlier on, that this investigation spans two decades. That's as much as we know is in your dossier. Take us back to exactly where you start with these allegations. I mean, these allegations, you know, start with regards to the Deep Slot Housing Renewal Project, where there's inference of, you know, meeting in, in, in the project that, you know, eventually unfolded in the project not being fully completed on time. Some of them move into um, transactions that occurred um with regards to the Housing Economic Development Agency, which we know for a fact was an entity of the Department of Economic Development and Treasury in 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 in, in, in Houting. So it spans through all those years, primarily looking at some of the questionable um and what we believe are dodgy um transactions that seem consistent with every tenure that the current deputy president found himself in a position where he was either a member of the Houting Provincial Executive Committee or was a member of cabinet in 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 in, in, in uh, either uh, President Ramaphosa's administration, sixth administration, and the seventh administration. Just to just check with you and double check, did you say the Deepslot Housing Project? My understanding was that it was the Alexandra Housing. The Alexandra, my 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 apologies, the Alexandra Renewal Project. All yes. right. Let's talk a little bit about how you were able to put together this information, this dossier, um, the kind of investigation that went into it. How in-depth was it? Yeah, look, a, a large part of it was based on what is in the public domain with regards to the series of articles that led to these relevations that were done by you know, a media house. But over and beyond that, we did our own analysis, right, with our legal team of all those exposés looking at where the potential bridges of, you know, um, ethical conduct and potential bridges of South Africa's, South Africa's constitution and specific, you know, sections of um, the Anti-Corruption uh, and Prevention of Corrupt Activities Act. And therefore, based on that analysis, believed that there is sufficient grounds at the very least to enable us to lay charges. In the meantime, what we're also doing is that, you know, once those charges are then processed, um, additional work, which we have already begun to do, of also, you know, going deeper into looking at, you know, government documents, um, you know, following specific, the history of specific 
tenders and accessing some of those information um, so that we can have um, the basic evidence that would then be required um, once the case, you know, goes into um, the processes of the, the, the court processes of the country. So you're confident with how you've collated this information that the criminal charges criminal charges will stick? Yeah, we, yeah we, we, we've got confidence in the law enforcement authorities of the country and we respect um, the professional manner in which SEPs, for instance, today handled um, our laying of these charges. It was the highest level of professionalism that we've experienced from 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 SEPs. and we believe that the criminal justice process is the appropriate forum to test the veracity of allegations. That, that exists because that is why our constitution provided that avenue and we are confident that based on the analysis that we have done in consultation with our legal team that at the very bare minimum laying the charges is the right thing to do. You, you obviously knew that the president wasn't going to act upon your instruction. The ANC never does. It always tells us that they're not going to be listening to anybody and take instructions from anybody else. Um, so that wasn't going to happen. Politically, what were you hoping to achieve with this? Because you've gone to the police now, laid criminal charges. The president is not flinching. We are going to the election. The deputy president is very likely to still be the deputy president by the time we go to the election. What were you hoping to achieve politically? And I know the, the legal legal process is going to take a long time if we have to wait for that that's i'm not sure it's going to bear any fruit for you right now so politically what was the da hoping to achieve well politically we're hoping that the president would at the very least live up to his word he came into office um very vocal on the promise of promoting ethical leadership on preaching about a zero tolerance approach to corruption and we were giving him the opportunity at a leadership level to do the right thing um, by exercising one of the powers that he has, which is to hire and fire the deputy president and members of his executive. You don't always need the law or the court to force you to do the right thing. But sometimes some people do. And once the president, you know, did not move on on the option that we presented to him we then realized that we should force him to do the right thing which is then proceed to this avenue of laying charges with um with the south african police services whether the president will do the right thing or another will be a reflection on his leadership it will be a dent on the legacy of his um, of, of his administration. And I think it is for the public to see through um, the president's uh, lack of appetite to act um, on corruption, particularly when it affects his staunchest allies mm. in the ruling party. So, ag- again, um, it was wishful thinking. You know that as the DA, because as I said, they were not going to take instructions from you. But also, look at the conduct of the ANC. I would ask. Why him? Why specifically choose a deputy president? You've got enough people you could have picked. And, and perhaps as part of your strategy, why go for the deputy president? 
Well, I think what about in, in this regard is neither here and there. At very different stages, you know, we have uh, persistently, whenever we are convinced that there are serious allegations, uh, be it of corruption, tender meddling, or general unethical behavior, mm-hmm. uh, laid charges. You know, one, one, one of the things today that one journalist in particular asked was, you know, you guys are always upfront in laying charges to any of these ever result um, in investigation. And the, long arm, the, the, the arm of the law is law. Mm. Um, we are reminded when we first brought attention on the issue of the Jacob Zuma spy tags, spy tags that, you know, at the time there was a lot of skepticism and it took a very, very long time to one, get to the release of those, tie, or of those tapes and eventually lead the process that culminated into the state capture report. I think the most important thing here is there are institutions of democracy that have been created by our constitution to play a specific role. And those institutions, we believe, are still functional to this day, despite the difficult situation that they find themselves in, and that they should fulfill their role um, when these issues come, come to the front. And that is why we will never give up on our criminal justice um, system and our judiciary and the court because they are the last line of defense of our democracy. Mm. Well, I, I only re- I only asked you because your leader, uh, John Steenhazen, made mention of the fact that the DA would love to focus on the top echelon of of the leaders in the ANC and, and it's a strategy that the, the DA wants to, to, to employ. Um, and I just wanted you to elaborate that because he did sure. he did mention uh, the fact that he wants to target the 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 bigger politicians because he feels that uh, ordinarily uh, the smaller guys get to to account for some of these problems. So I just wanted you to elaborate on that. No, no, no. I I appreciate that. Listen, there is no corruption that is of a small scale. I think you know. Let's get that clear. In this instance, you know because the individual in this regard is the second in command of the ANC, um, it required the action that we done. But we, we are consistent in terms of taking actions, whether it's about laying charges against ANCs or, you know, who happen to be ANC leaders. At the end of the day, we are saying that we are a party that respects the rule of law and there are institutions that have been created to uphold the rule of law. And we should use those where it affects matters of breaking the rule of law. And, and, and that's why we, 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 we have pursued this avenue with the deputy president. Let me quickly ask you on this one. The Concord asking, well, telling the ANC that they're not going to entertain this appeal against yourselves as the DA to, to avail their minutes of their cadre deployment meetings to yourselves. Your response to that? This is a historic judgment. Um, it is a big breakthrough in a long-standing case that um, the ANC has been trying to, you know, um, delay, um, particularly releasing this. We had already won this case at the Houghton High Court and the Supreme Court of Appeal mm-hmm. with regards to the release of those meetings. What the ANC has attempted to do was, you know, to appeal to the Constitutional Court arguing that because they are a private organization, therefore it's not in the public interest that those documents should be should be released. Um, and, you know, the, the, the court has dismissed that primarily because 
we are, we, are, we are doing this primarily because when you train Kenya deployment, it is responsible for the ineffective public service that South Africa finds itself in. Because Kenya deployment at the heart of it is the prioritization of the elevation of ANC cadres or aligned individuals to specific positions in the public service in state-owned enterprises, government departments, and, 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 and state entities. And therefore, what we've always argued was that the ANC has an undue influence in the appointment of certain crucial positions in the public service that it shouldn't have, and that cheats honest, hard-working professionals who may not be linked to the ANC but end up losing these opportunities because they are not political associates or allies of the ANC. So I don't think any political party has ever denied that. The question is, when you get the documentation that you're requesting, what are you looking to find? What dots do you want to connect? So let us I mean, say that yeah. uh, Solima Lazi is on the... on the. That's on a bad the, example. No, 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 no. I use it because, you know, you are not obviously an ANC member and so on. So let us say you appear in a document that says, you know, we were speaking about Solima Lazi and we thought Solima Lazi is uh, the perfect candidate to run ESCOM for argument's sake, right? Um, what are you looking to find in those, in those minutes? Um, because I think political parties don't ever deny the fact that, yes, of course, we want people who are aligned to us so that they can adhere to our values and so on and policies. Are you looking yeah. to find that Solimalazi actually is not qualified? What kind of detail are you looking for? Look, the ANC has denied that if the Deployment Committee makes those appointments or influences the process, which is what has led us here. So those minutes would provide evidence of the discussions that has then led in, that has led to certain individuals being elevated to those positions because the ANC then applied the political pressure in the state to get those appointments. That's why we find ourselves here. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very, very much for your time. DA National Spokesperson Solim Malazi there. If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.